0: Hi, welcome to Unleash Ministries podcast, where Pastor Nathan Sanford will guide us through daily Bible studies, prophetic revelations, and life-changing encounters with the Father's love. Join us for near daily content as we dive into the Word of God. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm, I'm glad to um be finally to this place cuz i mean i mean i think everything else in first peter is awesome of course cuz it's like the word of god and he's you know got some amazing things to say about who jesus is and amazing things to say about who we are and and don't forget the whole context of this is a people who are under like major major persecution so but i've been kind of waiting for this particular chapter or at least this portion of the chapter and and it's because I've heard this um, chapter used in all kinds of messed up ways or like this portion of it to be used in all kinds of messed up ways. So in order to even get into this, I want to just kind of preface this with um, sort of an understanding of where people go with this text. So um, let's just back up. So if you don't know this, in case you don't know this, um, the number one reason that Atheists or agnostics if you don't know what an agnostic is versus an atheist um it's literally really like atheist um which actually literally means against god but that's not a most atheist position It's simply that there is no god um that they believe everything simply happened by natural processes An agnostic uses the same prefix ah which is means like against um and uh, gnosis is where we get the word Gnostic from, for, which means knowledge or like, you know, some sort of esoteric knowledge. So it's not like they're against knowledge. What an agnostic is, is somebody who just says they don't know. And, and there's two kinds. In other words, they don't know if there is a God. So there's two different kinds of agnostics. We call it like a hard agnostic or a soft agnostic. So a soft agnostic would be somebody that says, um, I don't know if there's a God. Like and just kind of leaves it right there, like, I don't know, um, where a hard agnostic would say, it can't be known. So I hope that makes sense to you. So the difference between a hard agnostic and a soft agnostic is a soft agnostic is going to say, I just don't know, like I personally don't know. And a hard agnostic is going to say, it can't be known, like this is knowledge that simply cannot be known. And an atheist would, would say, I know that there isn't one essentially and you kind of get different people in there but anyway now with those definitions if you didn't know them i'm sure you you most of you probably did already but if you didn't now you do and most of what you see uh as far as i don't know if you know this but the number one reason that atheists give for not believing in god or believing believing that there is a god is the subject of suffering so um, which is sort of a strange thing. It's actually a logical contradiction. And I, I don't know if I've talked about this before on, on any of these podcasts, but we'll get to that in a second. And I'll do that briefly because that's not the point of this at all. But but I, what I do want to talk about is basically, in case you didn't know, m- most believers, believers and non-believers, so almost all atheists and agnostics would argue that there is no God um, based on the level of, crap in the world (laughs) so in other words they're like there's so much suffering there's so much awfulness you know how can there be this god or this good god um and that just sounds crazy and silly to me now there's a million other reasons that atheists may have for not believing in god but that is the number one uh thing given on almost every survey the second thing is most believers if they are struggling with belief in god or there's let's say they're struggling with their faith let's say they're believers but you know they're 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 hurt they're struggling they're questioning they're maybe they're just in a place where they don't feel like close to god or whatever almost all the time and this is um 25 years of full-time ministry and much of that i did a lot of counseling with probably literally thousands of people um it was always suffering like people tended people didn't tend to struggle like with their faith because everything was going awesome. like They tended to struggle with their faith because somebody died, someone got sick, they have chronic pain, they're struggling with depression, they're struggling with anxiety, um, they can't make ends meet, they have no money, they're working really hard, and they're just confronted with a tremendous amount of injustice. Now, you couple that, like say you take somebody suffering, somebody that is like, I don't know, maybe they their marriage crumbled, their kids hate God, they're... They're in pain. They can't pay their bills. And this is a person who loves God and a person who, you know, is, is like at, you know, going to church all the time, doing all the stuff that we would think people would do that like love God. Um, I'm not saying they're necessarily evidences or not. I'm just saying this is what we normally would think. Like they're at church all the time. They're serving people. They're loving people. They're crying out in prayer. They're coming before the Lord and saying, God, I need help. Um, and yet things just keep getting worse. Like, this is a struggle that believers then tend to have if you've ever been in that in that place I'm, and i'm sure all of us have like to different levels to different degrees everybody has a struggle like everybody at some point will go through something really hard where you're crying out to god and it seems like he isn't there and it seems like the breakthrough just doesn't come or doesn't come certainly in the way you thought it would. And so it causes, so not only do you have suffering, in other words, just the suffering that's causing, it's like suffering causing suffering or suffering causing turmoil. So in other words, you have this suffering and then it causes you in addition to that sort of like an inner turmoil. It it causes you know psychology, what we call dissonance. You have like this dissonance, meaning a dissonant between, there's dissonance between what you believe and what you actually experience and see. And part of that dissonance, in fact, almost all of the dissonance in a life of the believer, um, is caused by suffering. So, especially uh, suffering that just seems to go on for a long time. And so, we as believers, and again, let's get let's just address real quick, like atheists and agnostics. Um, basically, why the it's it's sort of uh, it, it, not sort of it's absolutely a logical contradiction for atheists to say that they don't believe in God based on X and X injustice is because if you're an atheist, uh, um, you, you have no uh, basis for morality at all. So if all we are is advanced amoebas, if all we are is just evolved creatures that started off as like bacteria, then there's no moral difference. There's no morality. Period. Um, and uh, people say, "Well, atheists can be moral." I'm like, "Yeah, I mean, atheists can act morally, but their morality doesn't make any sense, like at all." So, in other words, if they're, so if if you have good and evil, if you're going to say like this is bad and that is bad, you must have some standard by by which you differentiate good from evil and that's the only way you can actually say like something is good or something is bad like something is morally good or something is morally bad is if you have some sort of moral standard by which you are differentiating one from the other so if you're if you're an atheist like the only thing that exists is the natural world so like love doesn't exist justice doesn't exist like th- these are these are concepts that exist outside of the natural world these are concepts that that maybe you could see in reality, in the sense of acting them out, but the substance themselves is unseen. So, if you're an atheist, you're, you're saying you're basically drawing from the unseen world in order to um, argue your case. So you have to like actually borrow. Um, reality from uh, someone who has a worldview with a God in it in order to even make your case at all. So if the atheist is making a case that somehow he, he doesn't believe because of all the injustice in the world, it's just silly nonsense because if there's no God, there's no justice or injustice. There's just random molecules bouncing around. So. The reality is the, that running up and stabbing somebody in the face with a butter knife is the exact moral equivalent of someone um, donating their kidney to save their sister who is on dialysis. I mean, this is like there's. There's literally no moral difference between between giving your neighbor across the street a basket of goodies to bless them is the same as setting their house on fire morally because it's just molecules bouncing around. So, In other words, if you don't believe in a God, there is no logical basis for your morality. Now, you as an atheist can construct your own morality— But it's entirely subjective in other words if you as an atheist say this is right and that's wrong um you're the one that if there is no god you're the only one by whom that standard can be drawn so in other words you're creating your own morality so yes you can be moral but it's totally subjective it's not objective morality and, and when that happens, then if somebody else comes along and goes, actually, this is right, and that is wrong, and it contradicts your understanding of right and wrong, then who wins? You know, then whose morality is better? Um, people say stuff like, oh, well, it helps people. It's like, well, why is helping people good? you know there's no helping people is the same as killing them if you're an atheist because there's just no there, there's no morality at all there's no value to human life outside of there's any more valuable than the rock in your front yard like it just there's no more value one way or the other so when people are like, well, you know, brings the most people happiness, well, so what? First of all, happiness doesn't even exist, because that's like, that's a concept that cannot be seen. That's beyond the physical world. And second of all, even if there was such a thing as happiness, it doesn't matter. Um, in other words, so what? Like, why is happiness good? There's no one can say that that's good outside of your own subjective understanding. So atheists all have to understand if you're coming up with any kind of morality, it's entirely subjective. So when atheists and agnostics uh, get upset you know about anything, it's stupid for them to get upset about absolutely anything because it's all nebulous. None of it matters. None of it makes sense. It's completely purposeless. And there's no such thing as morality. So there's no such thing as good or bad or anything. There's just molecules bouncing around. So, so when they get upset about suffering, it, it's it's self contradictory. But the interesting thing is that that is what drives them away from God, like this issue of suffering. And on top of that, what drives most believers away from God, or at least into a bad place, is also the issue of suffering. So, we're going to get into this real quick, and I, I want to just um, I want to just let you know I have. Man, I have gotten—I'll use the word severe. I have gotten some severe downloads of revelation in terms of suffering, and I, I think I've let everybody know at some point or another that these last five years of my life have have absolutely, by far, been the most—been the hardest of my life, been the most suffering in terms of of emotional pain, in terms of loss, in terms of hurt. I mean, in terms of essentially every category. Um, of pain. I, I, and I was in, I had back pain for 20 years, uh, literally nonstop. I had b- I back pain all day, every day, all night, every night um, for, for 20 years. And then at the end of that uh, 20 year period, I entered into literally the hardest, most emotionally devastating and hurtful time of my life. And by the way, I'm still there. I'm not. I don't want to sit here giving this podcast like, I'm on the other side, you know, praise Jesus. I mean, I'm going to praise Jesus now anyway, in the middle of my pain. And I'm not saying that as, wow, look how holy I am. I can praise God. No, I'm going to praise Jesus because I decided a long time ago that I would praise Jesus. So forgive me if I get emotional about this. I just, I decided a long time ago that he was worthy of my praise and that I would praise him no matter the pain, no matter what I saw. And, and, you know, praising him in the hard times is is hard sometimes i mean it's not easy but it's sometimes been my only salvation it's sometimes been these last five years and in particular these last two years the only thing that i that it sounds weird it was like praising jesus is the only thing that made sense in the middle of a lot of stuff that didn't make sense so i'm still in it i just want to let you guys know if you're hurting i'm I'm with you you know, if you're struggling, I'm right there with you. If you've had a hell, you know, hellish five years, and it's been this crazy up and down nightmare, and mostly down with just a couple ups. If that's been you, I'm with you. I get it. I I'm no more. I have no more answers now than I did five years ago. I'm probably more confused now in terms of, you know, the the answers that I would like in my own personal life. The answers I would like for. You know, what is God doing in terms of of us personally? I'm getting a ton of revelation for the body of Christ. I'm just now beginning to share that. I've got open visions. I've got tons of revelation about what the new wineskin is, preparing for that. What is the wine? And a lot of wineskin paradigms that... Um, I think are super powerful and biblical, and I'm just excited to preach them. And they're really just like the—they're the they're this simple, pure gospel with all religions stripped away. Is basically, what I would say that it is. But it will be shocking to people, um, simply because we haven't had a pure gospel. But anyway, all that being said, I just want to let you know I'm there with you. I'm in the suffering boat here. I, I you know, I totally get it. Um, and so I thought it would be this passage is about to broach the subject of suffering of which is 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 huge and again it's huge because people this is what uh this almost said this is what hurts people yeah suffering hurts people (laughs) that's that's deep right suffering hurts people um (laughs) you know by definition suffering is not fun and but what i've seen and this is what i want to paint before we actually get into this is in the body of christ we kind of had two main camps and there's a lot of different variations of these camps but the main camps in regards to understanding suffering has actually, you know what, let's let's break it into three camps because there's really three. I was going to make it two, but I think it's really more three. And the three camps go something like this. Um, and again, I don't want to paint everybody with the same broad brush. So this what I'm about to say certainly doesn't apply to everybody that's a part of this, but it applies to some. So the Word of Faith movement, which really gained traction in the 1950s and 60s and then you know, all the way really up till now, um, really, I think, did a good job in terms of focusing on God being good, focusing on, you know, God wants to bless you. Like, he actually loves you. Like, he doesn't want to smite you, almighty smiter. Like, he's not, that isn't who he is. Like, he actually loves you, wants to bless you, which I thought that was all good. But they got to some, sometimes they got to the point, again, in the extreme versions of it, where it was like any suffering at all, Um, was like not okay. It was like any suffering at all meant you didn't pray enough, you didn't fast enough, you didn't do enough, you didn't love enough, serve enough, you didn't, you know, whatever it is that you didn't do, read your Bible enough. Um, and that's the only possible explanation for you suffering. And then later, later, especially recently, now they've rolled in like demonic oppression. So it's like the only way you could ever be suffering or struggling with anything is because you didn't perform enough religious exercises, you sinned too much, or you have some sort of a demon. And usually the demon is a result of you sinning too much or not performing enough religious exercises. In any case, they sort of like roll all of suffering into the bag of you should never have it. And if you do, like there's something wrong with you. So that's kind of the first crowd. Like they go way extreme. Like there should never be any suffering whatsoever Um, because Jesus came to bring us life and bring it to the fullest. You know, Jesus came to bless us. He loves us. He, he wants to give us good gifts, which by the way, I agree with all that stuff. But in its extreme form, it got weird. It was like any form of suffering whatsoever just means you don't believe enough. You don't have enough faith. You didn't like do the right thing or push the right button or say the right thing or or whatever. And so it le- left to all these people like not really knowing what to do with failure and not knowing really what to do with suffering um, and, and just feeling condemned every time it happened because it was like, oh, crap, like if I'm suffering, something's wrong with me. And I don't know what to do with that. So you have that camp. Then you have, um, I would just call this kind of the middle of the road camp. The middle of the road camp is kind of like your normal church. You guys know I call them WWS if you listen to me, which is whatever, whatever community church. This is like your seeker sensitive mega church uh, kind of model, and they they are usually trying to kind of do a middle ground on it. They try and sort of temper it. You know, they're kind of like, well, God, you know, you're going to suffer. Like if we want to use Joel Steen, I almost Joel Steen you there. Well. If if you know there might be a little suffering, <laughs> so anyway, if you're, <laughs> I don't know how good of a Joel's team that was, but you you know they're basically they're like there might be a little suffering, you know, um, but that's okay. Just just keep ha- holding on, friend, because God is for you. He loves you. Just hold on through this suffering time, and He'll see you to the other side. You know, so. Anyway, so that's my my Steen kind of a deal. And that's kind of the WW Mega Churches whatever whatever community church. Like they'll touch on suffering. Certainly they'll talk about suffering. Um you know, but it it's it's usually they'll they'll talk about kind of how God uses it for your good. You know, so they'll say, "Okay, you know, they'll have testimonies of how like somebody went through this bad thing, but um I don't know, their marriage got healed or, you know, they God dealt with something in their hearts that they needed dealt with." And so kind of suffering it's sort of a mixture it's like yes god totally wants to bless you and he loves you and you know i think they they try and do a fair job of kind of balancing that out and again I, most churches fall into one of these categories i don't want to say everybody does and and probably nobody does uh purely and completely but most churches fall at least a little bit into this and so what you end up with is is what i just said like so you have the extreme word of faith which would be you should never suffer ever, and if you are, it's you're doing something wrong or you're demonized or whatever. Um, then you have the kind of WW seeker sensitive mega churches, which are saying like, hey, um, yeah, you're gonna suffer, but don't worry, it's un- it's unto your own good, and you know God might orchestrate some suffering for you because you know uh, it'll help you in the long run or something like that. And then the third category is, uh, what I experienced quite a lot of. And it was, and I believe it was in in part a reaction to, um, the word of faith people. So they kind of swung the pendulum to the other side and it was almost like a glorification of suffering and (coughs) sorry, excuse me. And it ended up being almost to the point where it was like, like, uh, suffering became like this badge of honor. It was almost like like uh, you, you can't even do anything ever for God until you like suffer for 30 or 40 years. It's like you can never really be used by God until you've been miserable and suffering and suffered and suffered and beat up and beat up and beat up some more. So the narrative on the that far end is goes something like this. It's, it's usually like, okay, God has this huge calling for you, right? There's a big calling on your life. But your character cannot sustain this big, huge calling like your character can just not sustain um, how powerful and how awesome and how glorious uh, this call is on your life. So because the call on your life is so huge and because you're so gifted and so called and whatever, um, God must torture you to get your character right so that when the glory comes, it doesn't crack your foundation so you guys heard this before like it's some something like that i I mean there'll be different variations of that teaching but that's essentially the core of it so um, and it's really weird, extreme forms. It's almost like suffering becomes the only way you could possibly grow or change. Like we throw the love of God and intimacy with God right the heck out the window because that does nothing for you. Only suffering could possibly make you grow ever. <laughs> so I, I it, it gets weird. I mean, it can get weird. It's almost like a worship of suffering over just the person of Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, I mean, that's how weird I've seen Uh, This position get. So all I'm saying is like suffering has been understood in various ways in various churches and various movements and various aspects of the body of Christ in different ways. So it's it's either like you should never have it or it's kind of like um, it's the only way you change, like somehow all this suffering and then they'll pull out scriptures and quote them to sort of prove to you that that suffering is like the only way. And, you know, the reason that these teachings are, are A, so popular, and B, so um – so ubiquitous, in other words, they're taught in lots and lots of churches and lots of ways, is because people, that, it's because of that dissonance. It's because of that dissonance of we know God says he's love, we know God is all powerful, we know God is good. My life is given over to him in com- completely in every way I know how, and yet this suffering persists. So people so badly want answers that they will do anything and concoct any theology. They'll concoct any sort of sort of um, understanding of the Bible. They'll twist all kinds of different Old Testament stories and New Testament stories. To fit whatever narrative that they like, you know, or whatever narrative, I should put it this way. They'll, to fit whatever of those three narratives or some derivation of those narratives to fit whatever um, gives them the most consonants. In other words, whatever gives them the most quote unquote peace. And it's not really peace in the sense of biblical peace. It's just psychological consonants, meaning okay, I can, I can rest a little bit. I don't have to feel this dissonance of this. Like I'm surrendered to God with everything I am. And yet this horrid thing is tormenting me constantly, um, with God being all powerful and all good. And he loves me. And I have this dissonance there. I have less dissonance now because now I have subscribed to said explanation. So whether it's like I shouldn't have it and all I need to do is declare more and pray more and fast more and whatever more, you know, that'll give you some consonance for a while, especially if you're a works oriented religious person, they kind of like that um, aspect of it and that no one should ever suffer ever. And there's always like a a way out or like some, uh, you know, explanation for it that just you need to work more. It's like, oh, sweet. Give me a list of stuff to do so I can get out of this or the other middle ground, which is kind of like, Oh, okay. Okay. You know, God, God's going to use my suffering. So it's all good to like, make me a better person in some way. And, and he's going to orchestrate it. He's in Romans eight twenty eight me, right? God works all things together for good to those who love me and call according to his purpose. Okay, cool. He'll use all this stuff. Awesome. And, but then, and then there's the other ones where people are like, man, I've been through so much suffering. Like I can't explain it at all. And when you've been through a lot of suffering and a lot of different ways, and maybe you struggle with depression and anxiety and self-hatred and suicidal thoughts and all that kind of stuff. The, the extreme version actually kind of appeals more to you, which, which sounds uh, sort of like a paradox, but it's really not it like, but it almost appeals more to you. Cause it's like, oh, 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 okay. I must have a huge calling that right there feels good because I've suffered for so long and and it's like, OK, that and that must mean that I'm, you know, it's OK. You know what I mean? It's, it's like it's like a badge of honor. Like I was saying, it's like a sign of spiritual maturity that you suffered more and were able to kind of endure under that suffering. And again, with all three of these positions, there's quite a bit of truth, you know, to every one of them. But I don't believe any of them are the full paradigm and the full picture. And again, we haven't even gotten into the scripture yet, which we're gonna do next one because we're gonna run out of time on this. Remember, I'll try and keep these ones a little shorter. But this is sort of the introduction into suffering for uh this particular scripture talking about suffering. And so we're gonna we're gonna talk about it. I don't have um time nor really is this the format that I wanna actually bring forth my entire teaching on suffering, which is very long. Like it would probably be about six hours maybe eight hours long to really do it total justice. So, um, you know, maybe we'll have a school at some point and we'll be able to do that section as part of the school to give people a new and different paradigm for suffering, especially for suffering going forward into the end times. But I just wanted to paint that picture for you. And, and whatever paradigm you've landed on, or if you haven't landed on any of them, if you're just kind of struggling, there is a a different nuanced way to understand suffering, to look at suffering, to evaluate suffering, and I think that is more biblical and brings more actual biblical peace than just sort of the um, man-made theological consonants that you kind of get from one of those three, whichever one kind of floats your boat more. So, anyway, um, next one we're gonna we're actually gonna get into the First Peter chapter two, uh, verse twenty-one, which is where he kind of talks about suffering etc and we'll continue to go through that but i just wanted to set it up before we get to it so i will see you on the next podcast we're going to jump into the word and with this one having you know you guys understanding this one we'll jump into the next one i'll talk to you soon thank you for listening to unleash ministries podcast we pray you are blessed and encouraged by an encounter with the father's love poured out through his word if you would desire to bless this ministry financially please visit www.unleashedchurch.org and click on the give link Thank you.